Welcome to Living Water Radio. What does the epiphany teach us about living in a pandemic? How does it shed light on yesterday's mob action in Washington, D.C.? Today we're going to talk about the origin of a civil society, how we live in one, and how we preserve one as the people of God. My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister, focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the 110 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. Have you ever watched a cartoon character wrestle with a problem? What do they do? They think, they ponder, and they cogitate and scrunch their muscles and squeeze their eyes real tight, and then what appears over their head? A glowing light bulb. The light comes on. Light enters where there was darkness. They have what? An epiphany. That's the name of the season in the church year that began yesterday, ending the Christmas season. It's the final season of the Christmas cycle. Advent prepares for Christmas. Christmas is the event. And Epiphany reflects on the meaning of Christmas. Epiphany began yesterday with the Day of Epiphany, a day to remember the first revelation of Jesus to non-Jews or Gentiles, the three wise men. We don't know much about them. We don't even know how many there were. It's only tradition that says three. We do know that they were men. Some have said that we know this because if they had been women, they would have arrived on time and brought practical gifts like disposable diapers. It's light entering darkness. In Matthew chapter 4, starting at the 12th verse, we read, Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. We've had a lot of heat lately. We need the light that we celebrate during the Epiphany season. Mark Kriske, one of the meteorologists on Channel 5, said this morning that 2020 sent out a tweet with the question, Do you miss me yet? L.A. County health officials have said that leaving home is now considered a high-risk activity. Ambulance drivers are now being told not to transport patients with little chance of survival to local hospitals. Someone is making that call over the phone. The first 100,000 cases of the coronavirus took 10 months. The most recent 100,000 cases took just one. L.A. County reported over 14,000 new cases and 85 deaths on the day before yesterday. ICUs are full, oxygen is in short supply at some hospitals, and the military is being called in to fill the gaps. One person is infected in L.A. County every six seconds. 
and yet large gatherings are still taking place. People are still walking around without masks or practicing social distancing, and we still haven't felt the full force of people's indifference to practicing safer behavior over Christmas and New Year's. Why? I think that the answer has a lot to do with yesterday's invasion of our nation's capital. I personally would not call it an attempted coup. There were no weapons, people in the mob paused to take selfies with the police, and no apparent organization or goal or plan. It was a mob. Have you ever been in a crowd of people with a singular purpose whose mood turns to incoherent rage and becomes or comes near to becoming a mob? It's frightening. It doesn't take much to incite the crowd to action. In most cases, people remember that they belong to a civil society and cooler heads prevail. Studies have shown that it only takes one person to inspire heroic and sacrificial action for civility from a crowd as well. That didn't happen yesterday. Why? First, I don't think the root cause was social media. Social media is an amplifier, but it's not a cause. I think that the root cause of yesterday's anarchy has been around and growing for a long time. It's the lack of a common culture, a common worldview, a winners and losers approach to politics, which means that there can be no compromise. We have no common set of national values, no common cultural history, no cohesive national fabric, only the view that everything is relative. What's good for you may not be good for me. And I have every right to seek my own good, just as you have every right to seek yours. If one speaks of seeking the common good, they are seen as naive. This long-held worldview has produced not the polarization of our culture, but its fracture into hundreds of small self-referencing cultures, large and small, all primarily focused on self-preservation, all self-righteous, all organized on the principle of us versus them. This has brought us to identity politics, cancel culture, and the replacement of liberal arts education that is being exposed to a lot of different ideas and perspectives with a progressive indoctrination, it tolerating no dissent, especially at our colleges and universities training the leaders of our nation. What is at stake is not democracy. That became a construct of self-interest long ago. It's civilization itself. How much of our primary or grade school education Class time is devoted not to teaching, but to bringing civilization, a sense of the common good to our nation's youth. Why is this necessary? Because many parents have turned not just the education, but the civilization of their children over to the schools. How does this affect us? I would suggest that if you, wherever you are in the political spectrum, cannot understand the origin of others' rage— Wherever they are in the political spectrum, then I submit that you are a part of the problem. I'm not saying condone. I'm just saying understand. Does it bother you when people call the ballot sacred, the halls of Congress sacred, political rituals sacred? Can we now only defend civilization by claiming that its institutions are holy? Is that now our civil religion? Are our human institutions now considered holy? It bothers me. So is this just an old guy's rant? Today's equivalent of get off my lawn. You tell me. Email your thoughts to the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or tweet them to at David Burkadal. Let's talk about something that truly reveals the holy, epiphany. God's people had a problem. 
They had once been a great nation, but they had been the region's doormat for a thousand years. That was a problem. They had been an economic and cultural powerhouse at a continental crossroads. Now they were a place to go through to get from one place to another, like many think of the Midwest, a flyover states cluster between the two coasts. They were waiting for the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Deliverer. Most people thought when he came, he would be a military leader, build an army, strike fast and hard, and get rid of the hated Roman army of occupation. They would be on top again, where they belonged. After King David died around 1000 BC, the prophets began to bring the word from God that a Messiah would come. They called him the Anointed One, because that's how kings were made, not with a crown, but by anointing with oil. The next king was David's son, Solomon. He was a disappointment. The next king was Rehoboam. He was a disaster. The nation split into two kingdoms. After many warnings from the prophets about the people's behavior and their lack of interest in keeping their covenant with God, the Assyrians came in 722 BC and wiped out the northern ten-tribe kingdom of Israel and assimilated them. Then in 586 BC, the Babylonians displaced the Assyrians and took the remaining two-tribe kingdom of Judah into captivity in Babylon for 50 years. Then the Persians wiped out the Assyrians and let those who wanted to go back to Jerusalem go. Not all of them did. Then the Greeks came and wiped out the Persians. Then the Romans came and wiped out the Greeks. The people of God had waited through tough times for 600 years. Then God went radio silent for 300 years. There was no word from God through the prophets at all. And then Jesus was born. An epiphany. Only very, very few people realized what had happened. In the first chapter of the Gospel of St. John, beginning at the first verse, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was kind of puny for a military leader. Babies aren't known for leading armies. Maybe he'd grow. Not many people could believe that Jesus was the Messiah then. Then he grew up poor. He started his public ministry kind of late by our standards. He was about 30 years old, and that ministry would only last about three years. When he announced himself, most people didn't experience an epiphany. His family thought he was nuts. Wouldn't you? I'm guessing it was part of the family that was not Mary and Joseph. They would have had some pretty good clues. Then he did miracles. He gave people a glimpse into what God had intended in creation before people messed it up trying to put themselves in the place of God. He had lots of followers then, but he hadn't raised an army. When the free medical attention, the free food, and the free education stopped, he started to talk about how he was going to die. And they dropped him like a stone. Even his closest disciples abandoned him. Even his closest disciple denied he even knew Jesus three times while Jesus was being tortured. But he still didn't raise an army. 
Instead, he suffered and died. Jesus was the Messiah. He was the light of the world. He died to free us from our sinful, selfish selves and to embody an ethic of love, sacrificial love for the sake of the other, the building of community through a common relationship with the one true living God. That's the epiphany. We love because he first loved us. That's the basis of a civil society. That's the contribution Christians in any society bring to the table. We live in a civil society not by seeking our own interests, by serving others as Christ has first served us. We maintain a civil society through an ancient ethic, love one another as I have loved you. Governor Newsom has said that there is light at the end of the tunnel, but we're still in the tunnel. The light of the world, however, has come. An epiphany. Do you still dwell in darkness? Open your hearts to encounter or renew God's gift of faith, a living relationship with the living God. May Jesus be your epiphany, a sudden awareness of something that was always there, the light that has overcome the darkness, Jesus. Happy Epiphany. Share the good news. Today, let's remember to pray for those struggling with all forms of violence, with mental health issues, and with substance abuse. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have currently available and support the church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated. <music>